Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kristen Lizenby. And I'm Kate Ballou. How are you today, Kate? What's happening in the life of my favorite city witch? Mm, thanks for asking. Things are things are really good. You know, um, spring is truly here in, in New York. I'm headed to a Mets game tonight. You know, go sports. Um, <laughs> the cherry blossoms are blooming. I went to the New York Botanical Gardens over the weekend to see them. Like, just so stunning. Like, they just float through the air as they sort mm-hmm. of, like, shake in the wind. And there's something so fey and magical-like about it. But, yeah, long walks in the park with banjo are on the horizon. But... How are you? How's the homestead, the goats, the island, all the things? All the things. Well, the botanical garden sounds amazing. I've never been actually. Next time. Definitely, yeah, bucket list for next time. Um, But yeah, spring has also sprung here in the Azores, which means we're having like these really beautiful sunny stretches uh, Mm -hmm. with some random like moody rainstorms thrown in just for fun. But yeah, we're a few days past Easter as we record this. So planting, sowing the fields is just like in full swing on the farm right now. And I'm actually making soup tonight with some fennel and bay laurel and green onions that I harvested earlier today. So yeah, the sun just feels really supportive and inspiring right now to both me and the garden. It's definitely sharing some of its solar energy with me. So really grateful for that. Spring soup. Yay. Yes. (laughs) But you know, a baseball game and long walks with the familiar sounds just like really beautiful and Also really on trend, I feel like there's this collective urge to be outside right now after what has felt like a long winter and a sluggish start to spring. Definitely. If I was being forced to rank the seasons, which I'm not, but um, spring is not my favorite. Probably autumn definitely is, but there's something about the vibe of spring in New York that is just completely unparalleled Mm -hmm. well all the people on the sidewalks I love them but enough of that what do we have for our listener question today Chris asked us how do you balance being a healthy skeptic and spotter of scams with your spiritual path what do you think Mm, well I love this question and thank you Chris and I also just love balancing a healthy questioning inquisitive attitude with a full embrace of the mystical um 
listeners, you probably already know this, Kristen, you and I talk a lot about this, but the mm-hmm. intersections of witchcraft and science and then magic and research, they're such beautiful intersections and they're also completely plentiful, like so much there. Um, and so that's definitely sort of, I think, a helpful sort of like balance to strike in those sorts of questionings. Mm -hmm. But for myself, I just try to listen to my intuition. Um, If something feels off, it probably feels that way for a reason. And so just trying to, to like get curious about that. And then also check sources like those spaces in the back of books are beautiful places to find further reading, to understand how people arrived at where they are with their books or like show notes on the podcast, for example, like we always put um, our sources there. And and then listening to how people study, how long they've been working with their subject of expertise, and then reading many perspectives on a subject. I think that that's super important. I love hearing from different teachers. Um, and then in just like a practical sense, the scams on social media are just so prevalent. Um, if someone DMs you about a reading, it's probably a scam. Just block them, report them, and then check folks' usernames to make sure that not like a letter or a symbol is off uh, from the readers and facilitators that you know and love and, and keep yourself safe out there. But Kristen, what do you think? Well, I love what you said, all of it, but especially when you said if it feels off, then there's a reason for that. And even if you can't put your finger on it right then and there, if it feels off, maybe just, you know, stay away from it for a little while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because like you said, the amount of Instagram scammers is terrifying. Um, So you definitely have to be discerning and report and block anyone who DMs you for money. Um, And then in addition to that, you know, as a recommendation, I just love getting recommendations from friends that I trust. I feel like that's been really helpful. And beyond that, just taking like a few minutes to do a little internet search because, you know, usually, hopefully, if you're looking to work with someone who, you know, facilitates moon circles, uh, offers tarot readings, hosts writing communities and circles, whatever it may be, this person probably has, you know, a business and a website and can be found all over the internet, um, And so I think just doing your homework and being discerning of who you spend your time with is an important step. I love it. Yeah. Lean on the community Mm -hmm. and and build communities. That's a great way to to do that. But do you want to introduce our very special guest for today? I would love to. Mm -hmm. Sophie St. Thomas is an award-winning journalist and author based in New York City and originally from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Her exhaustive list of bylines includes Vice, Playboy, GQ, Glamour, Marie Claire, Pride, Cosmopolitan, High Times, Gawker, R.I.P., Harper's Bazaar, and more. Her work focuses on sex, drugs, glamour, and subcultures. In addition, St. Thomas is Allure Magazine's resident astrologer and a sex columnist for Ass Men. St. Thomas is the author of five books, Finding Your Higher Self, The Little Book of CBD for Self-Care, Sex Witch, Magical Spells for Love, Lust, and Self-Protection, 
Glamour Witch, conjuring style and grace to get what you want. And now, Weed Witch. She is currently writing her sixth book, The Devil's Work, the real-life thriller that is the history of reproductive rights and witch hunts, which comes out in the summer of 2024. She is the co-creator and author of The Intimacy Journal, a sex and cannabis logbook. Previously, she's worked as a columnist for Vice, a producer for MTV Networks, and Refinery 29 sex staff writer. After initially moving to New York City to go to law school to study entertainment law, St. Thomas accepted a position as a production assistant on VH1's iconic Behind the Music and is frankly glad she saved the money. St. Thomas is also a published poet, although she reserves most of her poetry for her lover. In this conversation, we wind through weed witchery, discussing the magic of cannabis, plant-based spells and rituals and advice for a writing life. Sophie joined us via Zoom from her home in New York City. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. And today we have fellow New York City witch, Sophie St. Thomas with us. Welcome, Sophie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're so happy you're here with us to talk cannabis magic and your new book, Weed Witch. Uh, But to get us started, could you share with us your big three in astrology? Of course. I'm a Scorpio with a Leo rising and my moon is in Virgo. Love it. And as Allure Magazine's resident astrologer, I'd also love to ask what these signs mean to you and maybe how they show up in your life and support you um, with your work and writing. Yeah, of course. Well, your sun sign, in my case, Scorpio, is where the sun, I'm sure as everyone knows listening, what sign the sun was in when you were born. Um, I am very Scorpio. We are known for being the like investigators of the Zodiac. So it's very fitting that I became a journalist and um, we're jealous, which is true and sex obsessed, which is why I write about sex also. Um, But we're not as scary as people think anyways, but that is definitely, I definitely relate to being a Scorpio and your son is like, you know, the main thing, but then your rising is often described as the mask you wear to the world. And mine is Leo, which is, you know, a fire sign that loves attention. Whereas, you know, Scorpio is more this emotional water sign. So I definitely think like, I don't know, you know, like the red hair, like my whole aesthetic, um, is very Leo rising, but then in my core, my mushy center, my moon sign, as, um, people talk about their moons is in Virgo and Virgo is like the maiden of the Zodiac and also the hermit of the Zodiac and very organized, um, which can be very like seem counterintuitive to someone who has Scorpio and Leo leanings. So I always think of my Virgo moon as like the part I need to do the most work on. Um, my good friend, Annabelle Gatvice, an astrologer, wrote an amazing book called The Moon Sign Guide that I really recommend if you want to get in touch. But yeah, so I'm like this investigative, um, you know, Scorpio is the sign of death and rebirth. Um, intense water sign for sure but I want everyone to think I'm this bold brave Leo with like a fabulous mane but to do myself true justice I should really pay attention to the Virgo in me which is why I like to 
right alone in my office. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice counter energy to that, like very intense Mars sexual energy of Scorpio to have this more, um, internal Virgo maiden. Not that Virgos are like prudes. Virgos, <laughs> I think, are like one of the low-key kinkiest signs of the Zodiac, all the Virgos listening. But um, that's definitely a side of, my, side of myself that I need to give lots of love to. I love that perspective on Virgo. And Annabelle actually was just on the podcast. So listeners can oh, come lovely. Can go listen to Perfect. the main sign conversation after this one. Um, Wonderful. It's a lot of fun. And Sophie, for our listeners who are just meeting you like right now, um, beyond astrology, can you share a little bit just about who you are and your work um, and what you're putting out in the world right now? Sure. Yeah. God, what a big question. Um, let's see. I, I'm Sophie. I grew up in the Virgin Islands, but, um, and I still have like half of my soul there. It's, I have a whole giant extended, extended family down there and go down all the time. Um, but I've always wanted to move to New York City. I mean, I was, you know, one of those kids who was ha- carried a journal everywhere and always was writing poetry. I, I totally knew that I wanted to be in New York City doing something creative my whole life. So little Sophie would be very proud of myself. Um, you know, there was a time in my... But, but it's very hard to be a writer. I just, you know, have to say it's very hard to be a writer. And it's taken me... Um, you know, kind of like a decade to figure it, figure out how to make being a full-time writer work financially. Um, after I graduated college, I, I studied journalism and poli-sci and I wanted to come to New York so badly, but I just like wasn't getting, you know, no one was responding. I went to college in North Carolina and wow, going from the Virgin Islands to the South was such like a um, culture shock, but you know, no one was like, no magazines were responding to this North Carolina girl's job request. So I, I'm giving you a whole story of my life. So I took the LSAT and got into law school in New York. And I was like, oh, I'm going to study entertainment law. But then because anyways, long story short, I got a job at VH1 as a production assistant working on a music documentary. And I law school and then I you know ultimately never went which I'm glad because I don't think I really wanted it and it's a, like a really expensive plan B um and I you know initially thought when I was in New York that I would just climb the TV production ladder uh you know I was VH1 is owned by MTV Networks and there's a lot of opportunities there but at the same time I was had got introduced to the Vice music editor and this is you know like 13 years ago you know when the idea of Vice being as big as it was now is like completely nuts. Um, but I luckily got in with them and that led to more bylines, which led to more bylines. And ultimately, even though I never would have predicted this, my writing career took off a lot more than my TV production career did. And I was a lot happier in it. And yeah, then in around 2013, 14, my department at VH1 got shuttered and we were in the middle of filming a documentary and everyone was fired. And I was like, okay, this is the moment where I really have to go and pursue the writing. And um, it was hard at first. I did like a lot of temp work. You know, I've done everything from like, you know, stocking sodas, being an admin assistant at like these, you know, horrible stock brokerage for firms, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to, jumping in and helping out my dominatrix friend who needs like an extra person, you know, just to, just to make money. And now like, I don't have a 
perfectly figured out, but I am um, a full-time author and journalist and writer. And that is just so incredible to me. So that's what I am and what I'm doing. And my most current book, Weedwood, Weed Witch, which is my fifth book, is out or is out already. I keep saying it's out on 420 because that's when the launch party is and when it kind of feels like it's really out. And so that's dope. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and then I'm currently writing my sixth book, which is called The Devil's Work and is a full... Up until now, most of my books have had spells in them. But this one, not that I don't like spells, but I'm so excited. It's just, you know, narrative nonfiction, you know, like a history book written like a thriller. And I'm in the middle of writing it now and I'm just learning so much and it's so exciting. And that comes out summer 24, leading up to the election. Mm. So that's what I've been busy with. So many things. And so many things. Yeah. (laughs) We can only ever hope to like make our younger selves proud, right? Like, yeah, seriously. And I guess, how do you see this journey of, of writing and coming to New York kind of intertwined or, or running parallel with your journey as a witch? Uh, um, I don't, well, let's see. I think it states that I don't, that I need to live somewhere weird, you know? Um, I, like, it's funny, um, I grew up on the island of St. Thomas, which is where I got my pen name that now is what everyone knows me by. And St. Thomas and Manhattan, where I live now, interestingly, are both 13 mile long islands. Um, Just with very, yeah, right. Just with very different cultures and um, and topography, of course, and and, and culture. But I, I think it was always okay to be different. Um, If that makes sense, you know, it was always okay to be different and a little weird. I, my parents weren't religious, so I wasn't raised in any, in any sort of church. And um, although no one I'm related to was involved in this in the Caribbean, you know, there is a lot of um, like voodoo and hoodoo that goes on that, you know, if we had like local legends, even intertwined into our rules at school, like um, the school I went to in the Virgin Islands as a kid there was like a red line around the perimeter of the school because it was, you know, the St. Thomas is this rocky Island. And I guess they didn't want us like playing and getting hurt. But instead of just saying that they were, it was like, if you go past the red line, these like demons called the red eyes will get you that live in the woods. So you better not do it, you know? And um, things like that. I heard stories about people who had gotten sent hot foot powder, which is a powder that, if one steps on, it's supposed to make them leave Island or or leave the place where they are. And so I think, I think I, the lack of religion that at least I experienced combined with being, with hearing about this stuff, I guess if we want to tie it to weed, Witch in the same way that my family was not Rastafarians, but a lot of my friends' parents were. And so I did grow up hearing like, Oh, my dad smokes weed. It's a sacrament, you know, which is very different than, um, I think what some of my stateside counterparts are, you know, heard with like the, you know, just say no, like their type narrative. I hope I'm answering your question. I think it, they both are places where you can just be, just be a weirdo, you know, and, and definitely not fit into a kind of normal American, you know, suburban Christian life if that makes sense absolutely 
So we've mentioned your book, Weed Witch, a few times now, so I would love to talk a little bit more about that. Um, But who is a weed witch? I would love to start with that and maybe your relationship to the word witch in general. I'll answer the second one first. It's interesting. I really am learning now more than ever researching my current, the book I'm writing on. I know we're talking about weed witch, but the devil's work and looking at witches and reproductive rights from antiquity, you know, before Jesus Christ existed, like up until now, which is a huge undertaking, but I'm also, you know, reminded of like the word witch changes throughout time. And um, for a long time, a witch was whoever was like living outside the norm and like breaking the rules, whether that was, you know, refusing to marry, whether that was um, a midwife practicing medicine when women weren't supposed to practice medicine whether that was, you know, in in the early days of the Roman Empire, you know, um, a pagan who didn't want to convert to Christianity, uh, it's been it's been used as a word of political control for so long that honestly, after re- researching this, now every now that I'm like, holy shit, like I am so privileged and lucky that I can just make money off of books that talk about witchcraft and openly be like, oh, I'm a weed witch that is has not been that's been very recent like you know like the instagram witch like the rose quartz like face rollers that that is new for a long time being a witch really would get you killed so it's definitely a politically charged word that has really softened up in later years thanks to social media which is you know there's it, there's a lot of irony there because the word occult you know actually translates to what's hidden so for for a long time because of persecution and also just, you know, fun things like women having secrets, you know, of course all genders can be a witch, but, you know, throughout most of history, it's usually been associated with women Um, and, and keeping things secret, you know, compared to we can now share information with, with others that we didn't have before and people, you know, can find themselves and find practices and whether it's, you know, spiritual or, or ritual or just for fun. So yeah, so I can identify as a witch now because I enjoy things like tarot cards and um, I love casting spells and I love rituals. I think rituals are so powerful and I, you know, I'm totally a pagan, but I'm very lucky to be able to do that right now. So a weak witch is just, and is anyone that uses, I think, cannabis spiritually. I think, you know, like playing off what I said earlier, it's, you have to, one, one, a person should get to decide if they're a weed witch rather than people being like, oh my God, you're a weed witch, let's kill you. Um, <laughs> but you know, cannabis, the idea of cannabis being used spiritually is, is far, far from new. Um, you know, that goes back to, to millennia ago in, in, in India and um, all, just all over the world in different places. So it's certainly not a new idea to use cannabis spirituality earlier I talked about you know religions like Rastafarianism but um to me it's just it it wasn't like a forced thing like okay I'm gonna do a spell with weed it just kind of two parts of my personality came together um you know someone who went from like medical patient to recreational user and I also practiced witchcraft and I already know that and I could quote I think I've been talking too much already, you know, even scientific basis to check the, to, to 
prove everything I'm saying, but you know, but cannabis can lower inhibitions. Cannabis can make you more creative. Um, it can help you like relax. It can help you see patterns that you wouldn't normally see. So all of these things just naturally, you know, for me at least, you know, maybe not for everyone, for some, some people, you know, cannabis makes them sink through the couch. But for me, it, like if I do a tarot spread, it helps me see different patterns and think of different like answers to my reading that I might not normally see or for you know a ritual if you're you know it helps me you know be honest with myself and just be very very present um which is a reason why i love cannabis in, in general someone who also takes it for anxiety uh, i know for some people it can heighten paranoia and definitely if i took way too much it would do that for me but by and large it really just like lowers me down in a very grounded way and that is also very useful for me when i'm trying to focus on, on a ritual and, or do a meditation. Um, you know, sometimes witchcraft, witchcraft isn't something you want to really be doing like while you're texting, you know, or checking Instagram, at least, at least for me, I really want, um, you know, electronics to be away and to be like very much in the here and now. And that's something that cannabis helps me, helps me do. Yeah, it's really grounding and just really heart opening. And um, you brought up something just a moment ago that I just wanted to expand on. You know, on this podcast, we talk so often about plant medicine. And so I think it's just such an important reminder as we continue this conversation that, you know, cannabis, in addition to being like a creative catalyst or a relaxing way to unwind, um, it's also vital medicine for so many people. Um, and I was wondering if you could tell our listeners about Charlotte's Web um, and the story behind this cannabis strain, because I know you talked about it in your book. I did. That's I'm very sad. I, I got to do a brilliant High Times, I think what ended up being a cover story feature on Charlotte Fiji, who sadly passed away during COVID. Um, Charlotte Fiji was a young girl who had a seizure disorder where she was having like hundreds of seizures a week. You know, it was just constant and life, you know, she, it just took away her, her entire life. And, um, cannabis is so fascinating to me because, you know, we have just, we're at the tip of the iceberg understanding what it does, um, because of the legality surrounding it. Anyways, there is a strain of cannabis that, you know, before, modern, I don't mean modern day, I mean like the middle ages, but let's say, you know, and like, um, before legal weed became a thing and like people were into CBD, you know, maybe in like, you know, the seventies through like 2000 or so was, it was a strain known as hippies disappointment because you smoked it, but it wouldn't get you high because it was a very low THC strain, but a very, had very high CBD levels. And, um, Charlotte Fiji's family who, um, they they sway, ended up switching parties, but they they were Republicans, like conservative Republicans, who never would have thought to give cannabis to her. But they were basically out of options, and so CBD oil was suggested. And she went for down from hundreds of seizures a week to like just a couple, and you know was able to her life quality just improved by it, it, you can't even like quantify how much her her life improved. And now, you know, it's, it's now that we know about CBD and like medical uses like this, you know, the strain is called Charlotte's web and is very famous 
especially, you know, if you're looking for medical uses. But that, yeah, that's the backstory behind Charlotte's Web. Yeah, I was really happy to see this story included in your book because I feel like so often there's this idea that, you know, cannabis um, has to be psychoactive to be potent um, or that that's all that it's good for. But, you know, that psychoactive element is just like one small piece of the plant story. Absolutely. And it also just affects people so differently. Um, you know, there is not a one size fits all method to cannabis. And like, you know, I'm someone who does well with THC. I have a pretty high tolerance for it. And I have, it doesn't make me, I've never like embarrassed myself. I mean, can't how cannabis versus like things like alcohol is a whole other subject, but I, you know, I've seen, but like my partner, some of my friends, it just like fucks them up. Like they can't handle their shit. Um, you know, but maybe we'd do better with CBD. I, I don't know. Your relationship with cannabis, you kind of have to figure out through um, careful and slow experimentation, I think. And it can change so much. Like I've definitely have been both of the people in my lifetime. Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was not a weed person before. Like I, I mean, I was always very pro cannabis. You know, I was like on the debate team in high school, like debating legalization of cannabis. And um, I was always thought it should be legal and that it was just completely absurd that it wasn't. But um, I, I don't, I used to like be a huge party girl and like do all like sorts of like bad drugs and drinking. But when I was 25, I like quit all of that. And I actually was like totally sober from everything for a while until I started using cannabis for PTSD. And, um, then my entire relationship changed with it. And that was in 2013. So like three years ago, um, maybe I didn't like it because I always tried it when I was drinking and being, you know, like that cross faded effect is not good for everyone. Um, so maybe I had to be like sober from alcohol to, to experience how beneficial it could be for me. But yeah, I was like, not 20, I wasn't until I was 25 that I got really into cannabis for myself. And it started from a very, I was like very wary of it at first. I, you know, I was like, I don't know if I want to like get into this. Cause like, I just like, have like, I was such a bad drunk. It like just changed my personality and gave me the worst hangovers ever. And I just hated alcohol. So I assumed that cannabis would be the same thing, but it wasn't at all. But going back to what I say earlier, I also have friends who, you know, are, have wine and, and they're absolutely lovely. And it's, it's, an, you know, it's, it's something like useful for them, but cannabis, you know, t- sends them straight into paranoia and they can't, can't move. So I think just our relationship to chemicals is so, personalized and so individualized and I think we need more room for that and you know our discussion in society about substance use whether it's legal or illegal because those laws aren't always very um good at judging the actual threat of something in my opinion absolutely and can you speak a little bit about the overlaps of activism cannabis culture and witchcraft yeah, well, both of them have, you know, a history that you just can't ignore, a history that whether we're talking about the persecution of witches or um, the perse- or you know, the persecution of cannabis and people involved in cannabis, it's always been, you know, extremely, extremely racist and classist and um, just a means of 
control, you know, and con- power control. And, you know, going back to what I said earlier about being a witch, the same thing is kind of true about being like a stoner now. You know, now it's not a big deal to smoke weed. You know, everyone does. It's, you know, it's like nothing. Um, you know, we're in New York City. There's like bougie, you know, Fifth Avenue dispensaries, um, you know, with that look like MacBook, you know, they're <laughs> selling MacBooks or something like, like an Apple store, but it's a dispensary. Um, but it was, you know, it really wasn't always like that. And it's still not like that, you know, for a lot of people, like people are still in prison for like nonviolent cannabis charges. And um, you, you just have to recognize that. And I, I think if you're gonna, and in my opinion, at least if you're going to be writing about this and, and talking about this and involved in the industry, whether it's related to witchcraft or cannabis, you, you have to be open and honest with yourself and, and others about the history behind it that is, you know, still continuing to affect people. So I think like activism is, is just naturally a part of it. And it's, um, you know, everyone, you know, people are like get involved in activism in different way. Right. You know, like I always think back to the pandemic and like um, all the BLM protests. And I remember for a lot of people, it, you know, some people like were immunocompromised and were like, I can't go to the streets to protest right now because COVID is still going on. You know, like what, what can I, can I do? I, there's not really, in my opinion, one right way to be an activist, but I, I do think you should do something, I guess, if you're going to be involved in either of these themes. Cast spells, send emails. <laughs> there's so many different ways. There are so many different ways. Yeah, you, you don't have to leave your house, I guess, now thanks to social media to um, and the internet to, to, do, to, be, to be a good activist. I'd love to switch gears a little bit here and talk a little bit about some of the spells in Weed Witch that you kind of touched on earlier, but specifically uh, stone sex magic. And we talked for our listeners who have been um, here with us in more detail about sex magic in season two. And we actually, we quoted your book, Sex Witch, which was a lot of fun oh, in nice. that episode. Thank you. But um, yeah, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about, about this kind of spell and sex magic and cannabis magic together. So se- sex magic is a very ancient concept that I guess was mostly spread to the Western world through Aleister Crowley. But now, but, you know, Crowley is undeniably influential in the occult world, but also very problematic, Mm -hmm. Um, especially the way he used sex magic later. But sex magic is just this very obvious idea. It was something that my friend, um, Kristen Soleil, she wrote an amazing book called Witches, Sluts, Feminists. I remember I first kind of figured out about through having a conversation with her. And she was like, oh, I did sex magic to like to get a book deal like you just have like I you have an orgasm like a full moons are always great you, you can do it at any time but full moons each lunar cycle means something and full moons that full time is one for manifestation and she was telling me about, telling me about how she did sex and magic on a full moon to get a book deal which she did and I started researching it and I was like oh so you're throwing your sexual energy you know towards a goal and I had already been doing it um and I, you know, like, um, just to be, you know, I don't know if X-rated or R-rated, but just be blunt about it. You know, it's just like when you, when you come, like if you can like switch your thoughts from like whatever the erotic experience is, is it 
is that you're having that's turning you on to like a visual of yourself, you know, getting a dream career goal or like hitting a milestone. You know, it's like if you do a candle spell, you have an intention. If um, you make a certain incense, you have an intention. So there's all these different ways that, you know, one can do ritual and perform magic. And one of them is by using sexual energy, but like any other spell, you know, it's, it's, it's to manifest a certain goal. And there's so many relationships between cannabis and, and sex. Well, the, the reason I got into it as a medical patient was because I had just had this, just, you know, just uh, like, you know, the like sexual assault of like your nightmares, of course they all are. And I like really was having a hard time connecting to my sexuality, not to mention I was having nightmares every night, but I, you know, couldn't have sex with like my boyfriend. It was, it was horrible. And THC suppresses dreams. Um, and therefore, you know, it's great if you get PTSD nightmares and also like made me like really connect with my body and be able to have sex again. So that's how I got into that. And when I, I've done a lot of research on it since, you know, when it increases the senses, it can help with mindfulness. Um, it, lowers inhibitions but you're not going to black out like um you know if you like mix like pills and booze or something so at least for me it really heightens any sexual experience and um you know makes it like a little more trippy you know orgasms a little more psychedelic so i sex magic is great on its own and you don't have to be a cannabis user to experience it but stone sex magic really levels it up for me first thank you for sharing all of that and then also just what was it, what is it like to like, and what's your approach to creating like a, a spell book like this? Like how, how do you, um, how do you share that? I guess. Like, honestly, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I joked earlier. I'm like, it's funny. My partner always makes fun of me as like the wizard who's like, I'm so I'm tired of writing spells. Like I need <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm like too many spells, but my last three, my most of my books up until then have had um, rituals because re- re- readers like that, you know. So we'll, let's hope they like my narrative nonfiction too. But it can be really hard, to be honest with you, writing spells. You know, they look easy and bulleted, but you have to find something. People want to feel like a little witchy, right? You know, if they're buying this book, so you have to add things that sound which you like, you know, use incense and like this crystal um, to make people, you know, connect and really feel magical. But my big problem with most spell books is that they seem just like so inaccessible. You know, it's like, oh, use this, like this powder that we're not going to tell you how to get. And then this very expensive crystal, you know, and just, and do it on this like one day. And it's like, and, you know, then there's like a list of like the 12 herbs you need. And I look at, it, I'm like, I am never going to do that. You know, personally, like maybe some people can, but in, in my own personal magic, I, I really, it's more like improv than like a scripted comedy, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so I wanted to find, you know, I wanted to, to make it have tradition, like I said, in witchy, witchiness, quote unquote witchiness and you know, using tools like tarot cards and herbs and um, and crystals, but I also wanted to make it accessible and things that people would actually do. And I also wanted to make it fun um, and think of things that would help people. So I think I'm just going on about, you know, how tricky this writing process was rather than answer your, your question. 
No, but I think that that's like just a huge part of it because it's like when you purchase a book like this and you pull it off the shelf, like when I got my copy last week, I was going through and I was like, wow, each of these is just such an experience and like has to have like a deep experience to write about it. And then to to then spend so much time putting it together, I just found it to be really special and cool, especially just to have it so focused around cannabis. Like it probably takes a lifetime to write something like that, you know? Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's very tricky in a unique way. Cause that's another thing, you know, you want to like with the weed, you want to make people explore and learn about, you know, things like different methods of intake, like, Oh, so maybe I'll put dabs in this bell and then we'll learn how to like ro- roll a spliff with like rose petals and in this spell, but this one is better for edibles. But um, I also, you know, want to be be honest about things like, but, you know, everyone has a different relationship with cannabis. So in the end, you know, do what's best for you. So it's um, all of the spells were for me were like an exercise and a like, hey, feel free to customize this and do it, whatever works and fits for you. But also um, providing a cult and um, cannabis education, you know, trying to kind of like sneakily weave that in there without um, coming off like too ex- too expensive. So I don't want people to like buy my book and then look at spells and be like, oh, I have to spend like 120 bucks to do this spell after I buy like the weed and the crystal and like, um, but also informative. So I, I'm glad you like them. Thank you. Yeah, because witchcraft is really about resourcefulness, right? So like, we don't want to put all of these barriers. It's more about making it more accessible, more uh, experiential for folks. Yeah, absolutely. And then another section in your book, um, before the spells, kind of at the beginning, you talk about different cannabis advice and weed witchery for the major arcana and minor arcana. And can you talk a little bit about how the astrology section and then also the tarot uh, overlap with cannabis and how you work with these archetypes? Astrology and cannabis. I wrote a really fun article years ago for Vice about like, you know, the guide to what each sign should or could smoke. And again, it's, um, you know, astrology is fun, but I think like I keep saying people's relationship with cannabis is so individualized. You don't want to like, be like tourists should only use cannabis this way. <laughs> but the thing I learned about writing this is that when writing about signs and their cannabis use, it's tempting just to like using Taurus as, as an example, it's tempting to write directly into the personality. So to, if that makes sense. So, you know, Taurus is ruled by Venus and earth sign known for being very sensual, very um, luxurious, like, you know, very into things like like soaps and smells and being comfy and and, and snack food, but also um, you know very grounded, very stable, very loyal. Like if any negatives, like maybe a little lazy sometimes, but like you know you just got to be patient with them. And so you you know it's tempting to be like, okay, so tourists should take like take a heavy like edible and like make a snack plate and like you know just like watch a TV marathon all weekend, but then you think about it and you're like, well, Tauruses are probably already doing that. So like, what if you also recommend them like, Hey, try like a, like a activating, you know, strain of cannabis. And then like, you know, to like go on this adventure and like, and, and switch it up. So 
I don't know if I answered your question, but that was what I remember most from writing that section um, about signs and cannabis use. And tarot, I, I included a little guide, you know, just what each each tarot card means for people, because I know that some people buying the book will have, you know, been reading tarot for years. But if you don't know, that's totally fine. I wanted just to give a little reference section. So I tried to make it fun and link it to cannabis. But Regarding using cannabis for tarot, and that is one of the spells included, that's like my just favorite thing to do um, ever. Uh, like, to, especially if you're reading with the original, um, with like the Raider, like Raider White deck, like it can be, um, like looking at the images for me has so much power. Like, you know, one tarot card might seem bad, but something I learned about um, the Raider White deck is that the backgrounds tell you so much. Like for instance, like if it's a blue sky, you can generally assume even if there's conflict in the card that like blue skies, everything's okay. You know, other ones have gray skies. Other ones have like yellow skies and they usually reference some form of like abundance and joy. And so just like the visual of looking at a tarot spread for me, I find that cannabis enhances so much because there's research that suggests and my experience is true that it increases something called divergent thinking, which it means the con they ideas that seem unconnected, you're better able to form connections to, if that makes sense. Like your brain forms connections and links that maybe it wouldn't if you weren't stoned. I should like add the caveat that this study also showed that if you use too much, like this effect goes away. So if you're like, mm. you know, too stoned to speak it that doesn't happen. But for me, that's so true. Like now I'll look at a tarot spread and, um, you know, there's like the individual card analysis, but then there's always the question if this, if you're doing, unless you're only doing a single card reading, like what is the greater pattern and connection and message? And that's when I'll like step back, you know, like look at not just like my knowledge of what each card means, but the visuals and how they all look together, like the art on the card. And I find that kind of, is really useful in, in finding patterns and tarot spreads like that. It's beautiful to think of cannabis as a guide in that way. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, there's people out there, like I've been on like a lot of press trips to an area called the Emerald Triangle, which if people aren't aware of is um, a, it's like Humboldt County. It's up in Northern California, um, you know, in the beautiful red woods. And it's this weird it's this beautifully weird like kind of libertarian old stoner community because it's all people that have been farming cannabis for like ever you know way before the government was involved so they've you know like like their land and they like their their privacy but it is just the most beautiful place on earth and like the ultimate climate for growing cannabis and i've been lucky enough to go on a few press trips there and like talk to some of um these these like Total, total, but lovely weirdos up there who really seek, like worship cannabis, and they always say they're like, "No, cannabis, Mary Jane is a god. Like, look at her takeover of the world. Like, she is leading this." And um, I think about that all the time. Like when I look, you know, it's like in New York City now, cannabis, which once was so illegal, and I guess still is. You know, now there's just a dispensary everywhere, and so I totally get why people up in the Emerald Triangle, like think that Mary Jane isn't in cannabis. Her spirit is an actual goddess, like, and we're all just like doing what she wants. Um, I, I don't know if that answered your question, but 
that's a story I think about a lot. It does. And it reminds me too, just like of the, the mushrooms and like Maria Sabina calling them holy children and, and the sort of like yeah. energy that happens in a lot of these entheogenic, beautiful spiritual plants. Yeah, absolutely. So Sophie, when this episode airs, we'll be sitting about midway between the spring equinox um, and the summer solstice, just a couple of weeks before Beltane. So any plans to celebrate the Sabbath with cannabis? I am going to let everyone down with the answer. No, I have so much work right now. I'll probably be working on that day. I like to take my rituals like when and where I can get them. Um, Shortly after May Day, I'm going to Vegas for about a week with my partner, and I'm so excited for that. So I'm like saving all my off days for the Vegas trip um, because he works in the jewelry industry, and there's a whole jewelry couture show. So I'm going to Vegas to like look at at diamonds. It's it's I'm I'm, I'm stoked. I love Vegas. So this is not. I don't know if Vegas is what you expected for May Day. Um, <laughs> that feels very belting to on me. May Day, <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, I guess so. So my like working woman, we, which answer is that on the actual May day, I will probably, you know, but I will have consumed at least some cannabis at some point on if it's May day and I will be writing about witchcraft. So I think I will be celebrating, you know, cause it's about fertility and abundance, you know, maybe I'll at least grab some flowers for my home. You know, flowers are kind of like an overplayed symbol of the day, but you know, flowers are so beautiful. Cannabis is a flower. And um, from a practical perspective, just adding some to your home really just changes the whole energy. Um, but maybe my Vegas jewelry trip is my maybe experience. Yeah. Vegas is a spell, definitely. Vegas is nuts. I, I I went to Vegas for the first time for a press trip last year and I loved it. I, don't, I think people are haters <laughs> who um, <laughs> make fun of it. Yeah, I've definitely gotten up to some Bacchanalian type festivities there before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then do you have any um, any May Day rituals, simple or spectacular, that you could suggest for, for our listeners? It just popped in my head. I think it'd be a really lovely day. This isn't a ritual, but like if you can go on a picnic with your friend, mm. you know, maybe your witchy friend to get outside and have like a um, low key coven type meeting. It would be, if I actually, maybe I'll try to plan something with my friends because May Day seems like a very communal holiday, you know, in terms of celebration. I think it's a, a great time to, you know, get together with people and a picnic keeps coming to my mind because, you know, it's just like a luscious and luxurious and, kind of almost lazy experience in a really nice way. So maybe I'll try to do a picnic with friends actually, but that's, that's a good, that's your May day ritual. Yes. McGorlick park. I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, so as we are starting to run out of time here, I'd love to ask, is there a piece of advice that was given to you um, either in your witchcraft or writing journey or both um that when you started off on this path that it's really helped you and that maybe you'd like to pass along to our listeners yes i love this 
saying fortune favors the bold. I think um, I learned, you know, no one else is going to fight for you. Like not to be all dark and Scorpio gloomy, but you, you, you just have to kind of, you know, I think especially for, you know, any, any, women or or anyone who feels like they were kind of raised by society in like a subservient way just like learning to like really advocate for myself and fight for myself and stand up for myself and not be afraid to you know I'm like these the reason I got a book deal is because I my first book deal I got because my the publisher wanted me to review a book of theirs and I wrote back and I was like, I'm not reviewing this book because it's no good. But if you want a better, better one on this topic, like hire me. And that sounds crazy. And I was not like that my whole life at all. I really had to learn it, but it it worked. And I continue to have experiences like that where I realized that, you know, I, I'm the only one who is, is really going to fight for myself and, and make shit happen. So especially as someone who like, I have a just, you know, insane, you know, there's a reason I'm a medical cannabis patient. Like I have, my anxiety is, is, is an issue. So it can be hard for me to be bold, but so I always tell myself fortune favors the bold. And, um, that's my advice. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That reminds, Thank you. that reminds me of something. I think Kate, you told me something similar when we first met, you were like, you know, you told me you were a poet. And you were talking to somebody and they were like, well, if you're a poet, call yourself a poet. You know, nobody's going to call you a poet Mm -hmm. if you're not calling yourself a poet. Yeah, it was the first time I came to New York as like a 20 year old from Michigan. And I was at this talk with this novelist and afterwards I thanked him and he was like, what what do you what do you like to do and I was like someday I hope to be a poet and he was just like yeah angels aren't gonna come down and like deign you poet like better do it yourself (laughs) that's funny that's that's true that's that's good advice yeah yeah fortune favors the world I need to write that over my desk for the spring it's very true you have to be like delusional um at least (laughs) you know And Sophie, what upcoming projects are you most excited about right now? And where can our listeners connect with you and your work? Um, Well, I'm really excited about Weed Witch coming out on the 19th. And if you're listening to this in in New York City on Natural 420, I'm having a launch party at Madame X in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And I would love for you to come. It's free. There's a great DJ. There's a great tarot reader. There's burlesque. There's an outdoor area that's 420 friendly um but if you're not in new york you can just follow me on instagram at the bowie cat and i'll keep you up to date with what i'm doing um my book on reproductive justice and wish hunts doesn't come out till summer 24 so you'll have to just follow me to see what i'm doing in the meantime because i'm not even sure Thank you so much for joining us, listeners, and Sophie, today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kate Ballou and Kristen Lisenby. You can find us online at K8Ballou and at East and Alchemy. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com. 
Join us for next week's episode for a Beltane-themed conversation. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mode it be or something better. Until next time.